from championship. Stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! Legendary plays. He's gonna win the football game. Auburn's gonna win the football game. He ran the miss field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not gonna keep him off the field tonight. From the 25 of Auburn. Here's the give, Henry. Near side, big hole, open. He's gonna go. Covering the best rivalry in college football. This is the Iron Bowl Hour. And there you have it. Welcome back in to the Iron Bowl Hour. It's finally here. It's all come down to this. We've fought hard through the entire college football season. There's been a lot of ups and downs, some heartbreak along the way. But we have finally made it to Rivalry Week. The Iron Bowl is here. Zach, how are you feeling? Feeling good. This is always uh, an exciting week. you got Thanksgiving going on, all the other stuff going on. Uh, games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to keep you entertained. Yeah, there's a little chill in the air. Football is at its peak. Good Thanksgiving food is on its way. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. A lot to get into here, but before we get into anything, make sure you go like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe and review wherever you get your podcast. Do all of that and share this episode. This is a big one, talking about the Iron Bowl here. Like I said, it doesn't get any better than this. We we wait all year for this one moment, and we are so excited, and we can't wait to get into it. So be sure to go do all that stuff first, and uh, then we can get into all of it. All right, Zach. So, before we jump into the Iron Bowl and all that good stuff, a lot to get into there, obviously. Can't wait to talk about it. But let's take a little little breather here, and let's take a look back at last week. I know Auburn and Alabama were essentially on bye weeks with playing uh, much, much lesser uh, competition. Um, but we did have our pick six as well. So, let, let's get into all that real quick before we uh, move on to the rest of it. So, Zach, take us through the pick six. All right, we'll start with Alabama. Alabama, 66-3 winners over Western Carolina. Alabama was a 58-point favorite, so they were able to cover that number. So we both missed that one. Auburn, a 52-0 winner over Samford. Auburn covers there. Auburn was a 48-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I took Auburn. Clay didn't, so I got a point there. Uh, but I lose it on this one. Ohio State, 28. Penn State, 17. Ohio State was a 17.5-point favorite, and I doubled down on that. So I also lost a point just uh, for for good measure. Um, Baylor, 24. Texas, 10. Uh, the, the season continues to just go down the tubes for Texas. Baylor was a 5.5-point favorite there. They win the game uh, by 14 points. So we both missed that one as well. Not a... <laughs> Not the greatest week um, for the pick six. And then Georgia, 19, uh, 13 winners over Texas A&M. Georgia was a 13-and-a-half-point favorite there. They did not cover, uh, but we both had Texas A&M covering there. So another kind of rough performance for the Georgia offense and Texas A&M able to hang in there a little bit. And then finally, Oklahoma, 28, 24 winners over TCU. They kind of had to hang on there 
in the fourth quarter. After going up big, TCU comes back and uh, nearly steals one from the Sooners there. Oklahoma doesn't cover the 19-point spread. Uh, I had Oklahoma there. Clay had TCU. I had TCU. Clay had Oklahoma on that one. So when it all comes out in the numbers, Clay was two and four. I was three and three. Uh, I lost a point on my lost double down, so nothing changes. So <laughs> at this point, it's 47-43, Clay on top. You look at the raw numbers, though, dead even, 44-32-2 and two for both of us. Wow, how about that? Dead even through 13 weeks. That's that's surprising. Uh, we're, we're both pretty good at this and uh, pretty even as well, so that's, that's surprising, but uh, kind of cool to see, and... Um, yeah, it all comes down to this last week, and uh, you still have a shot, Zach. Only down, what, four points, we said, so still have a shot, and uh, if you play those double downs right, it's not that crazy that you could uh, you could come back and win this thing in dramatic fashion. Yeah, still within uh, the firing distance, but it takes some luck here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all this is when it comes down to it. It's it's mainly luck with just, just a little bit of skill in there, but... Yeah, that, that's pretty much all picking is. All right, Zach, so uh, not a whole lot jumps out to me out of those games. Georgia, I mean, they, they continue to struggle on offense. It To me, they're just not that much of a threat when it comes to championship contention. I just do not think they have the offense to compete with a team like LSU. I think LSU is going to... I don't know if they're going to demolish them in that SEC championship game, but I think they're going to handle them pretty easily. I mean, Georgia's offense just does not have the firepower to keep up with a team like LSU. So Georgia's definitely not a threat to me. Don't see them competing here going forward. Um, Other than that, I mean, Oklahoma, they're such a weird team, so hot and cold, uh, looking great one week and then struggling with teams like TCU. Um, Penn State, uh, State, Iowa State game, I kind of thought that one went about as expected i mean i got that one right on the pick six um i think ohio state's continuing to prove that they're the real deal and penn state has had i know their record may not totally reflect it but they've had a really good season so far and uh the the committee seems to reflect that as well they didn't drop too much after losing that close one to ohio state um so yeah that's pretty much all that jumps out to me zach but we got to get into this oregon game oregon Dropping that one against Arizona State, a shocker to everyone who saw it. Pretty much eliminating them from the playoff contention. Zach, what did you make of this game? Yeah, a, a couple of really bad interceptions by Herbert in the second half in that one, and just kind of shocking to see the Oregon defense get just shredded by the freshman quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Uh, it seemed like there in the second half nobody could stop anybody. Uh, they Oregon really tried to make a furious comeback there uh, in the fourth quarter, but they just got dug themselves a hole that was a little bit too deep uh, with the with the turnovers, and it, that's what cost them. Yeah, I, I hated to see it. A little bit surprising from such a talented veteran quarterback to make uh, those those terrible interceptions like he made in this one. Arizona State's an, another team as well. It's kind of shown glimpses here and there throughout the season. They've had definitely had plenty of rough spots, but they're just talented enough to where they can sneak out a win against a team like Oregon. Kind of hated to see it for Oregon, though. I mean, they had that game against Auburn, obviously, early in the season that Auburn kind of had on their resume as their one shining victory. So I kind of hated to see it for Oregon. I really was kind of hoping they would make that playoff push. They were also my pick to make the playoff before the season started, so I was kind of pulling for them like that uh, in that vein as well. So 
kind of hate to see it, but we'll, we'll move on from that one. Um, FIU coming out with a win against Miami. Zach, I texted you about this one as well. Um, a shocker here. I mean, absolutely brutal loss for this Miami program in uh, Manny Diaz's first season there. Um, I mean, that's like South Alabama or somebody like that beating Alabama. I, it's just, just a brutal loss for Miami. Yeah, we we talked about it. They they did not even have a football program up until like the early 2000s, and they've only been in FBS for about 15 years. So just a, a brutal loss right there, a school right there in the city of Miami. And, I mean, it's not like Florida International just came in there and played a clean football game. And, uh, I mean, they had 14 penalties for 126 yards, which is about as bad as it gets. And they yeah. still still able to win. Miami outgaining them four thirteen to two ninety seven, uh, just turnovers and sloppy play by Miami, and man, that's. I think uh, Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz said it was one of the darkest days in the, in the program's history, and I don't. Yeah, I don't see how it couldn't be. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, when you're losing to somebody who's not even your little brother, I mean, I know you know Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan gets put as a little brother, and Auburn gets put as a little brother sometimes as well. It's not one of those scenarios at all. This is someone who's not even in the same hemisphere as you, Miami. And Miami's supposed to be this storied, prestigious program. And they are just, like like you said and like Manny Diaz said, in some very dark days right now. Miami, if you take out that, was it 2017 when they had that, that really hot start and put together a pretty good season with Mark Richt, Outside of that, they have not been done anything even remotely impressive since the 90s, essentially. So maybe it's time to stop thinking of them as a prestigious college football program. Yeah, even in 2017 or 2018, I guess it's 2017, uh, by the end of the season, those wins they had not, did not look quite as good right. as they did as, as they were happening. So Absolutely. All right, Zach, let's move on from that. The college football playoff rankings did come out tonight. Nothing too crazy in there. They pretty much held its course. Um, Ohio State did jump back out ahead of LSU after that win against Penn State. Not too surprising there um, because that is a a pretty impressive win to add to Ohio State's resume. Alabama still on the outside looking in with Utah right behind them at six. That's really interesting to me looking, looking ahead at that Alabama versus Utah resume comparison if Utah is possibly going to jump them uh, going forward if they win their conference Um, then you have Oklahoma and Minnesota at seven and eight Baylor at nine jumping up five whole spots this week after that win against Texas and Penn State dropping to 10 only two spots and then you have Oregon coming in at 14 dropping eight spots from last week followed by Auburn the team that beat them at 15 so Little, a couple little weird things in there. Nothing too crazy, but just, just kind of weird when you get outside of that top four. Yeah, definitely some some quirky things in there. I think the LSU drop is probably a lot of that is the concerns for LSU's defense. Uh, a lot of people think Ohio State may be a more complete team on both sides of the football. Uh, maybe after a couple of the outings that the LSU defense has had, and yeah. then you know. The, the one that jumped out to me was Baylor jumping up five spots after beating Texas, who's six and five. I, I don't know <laughs> really what their resume changed that dramatically from that win. I, I thought that was pretty bizarre. Uh, and then 
you know, having Oregon ahead of the team that beat them is kind of bizarre as well. Yeah, I mean, that's what I told you before we started recording. I mean, if you're going to drop them that far, you might as well go ahead and drop them one more spot behind the team that beat them. Um, I get it's weird having a uh, two-loss team, <clears throat> Power 5 conference team, in front of a, a three-loss Power 5 conference team, but, I mean, you might as well go ahead and put Auburn ahead of them if you're going to have them right there neck and neck. Yeah, and from what I understand, they they rate these teams or rank these teams in groups of three, three at a time. Uh, so you're sitting there looking at Michigan, Oregon, and Auburn. You would think that those three at the same time and somehow you decide that Oregon goes above Auburn. <laughs> yeah, very, very strange. And it's not like these two teams have changed drastically from that week one either. I mean, they're still pretty similar teams. No huge injuries or anything like that. So definitely uh, makes you scratch your head a little bit. All right, Zach. Um, before we continue and move on to next week and or this weekend and look at this Iron Bowl matchup, I do want to talk briefly about basketball just real quick um, before – we get into all that. So just real quick, Auburn did win tonight and win the Legends Classic Championship game against Richmond. Really impressive performance for Auburn in Brooklyn, beating New Mexico and Richmond. Um, this team looks really good. I'm really impressed with what they've been able to do this season. Uh, they've had a really tricky schedule so far. A lot of group of five schools who are, are pretty dangerous and had good seasons last year. Um, but they're seven and zero for the first time going into Thanksgiving in uh, program history. Um, a lot of good things going for this team. They lost three of their best players from last season, but if you're watching this team without that information, I mean, you would have no idea. I mean, this team looks like the real deal, and looks like there's no reason they can't uh, have a late um, March run again this season. Yeah, one thing I've noticed uh, comparing this team to last year's team. Last year's team, if they did not shoot the ball well, they really had had trouble winning games. But uh, from what I saw from last night's game against New Mexico, they didn't shoot the ball very well and still won by like 20-something points. So uh, totally different-looking yeah. uh, team from what you saw last year. It's like they can play different styles. They don't have to play a, a one up-tempo style all the time. They can, they can win in different ways. So that's probably going to be pretty valuable going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Austin Wiley's been playing great basketball so far this season. He's had a, a few double-doubles here recently, has uh, been scoring around 15, 20 points, along with around 10 rebounds as well. I mean, he's looked really nice, so it's nice to have that threat on the inside. Then you have guys like Isaac Okoro, who are super athletic and can get to the basket. So, obviously, Samir Doughty's been filling up the hoop as well a lot. So, really excited for the Auburn team this season. Zach, what is uh, Alabama basketball looking like so far, real quickly? Uh, Alabama's two and two. They dropped a couple uh, to Penn early er, earlier in the season on a, a last second free throw miss there uh, by Kyra Lewis. Uh, they did win against Furman last Tuesday. They, they haven't played since that point. Eighty-one seventy-three win over Furman in Tuscaloosa. They play North Carolina next. They're in the battle for Atlantis tournament. They're in the Bahamas. So they'll play North Carolina Wednesday afternoon at 1.30 on ESPN. And then on Thursday, they'll play either Michigan or Ohio State, depending or Michigan or Iowa State, depending on who wins and loses there. So that'll be uh, determined later. And then they got a pretty tough non-conference slate going after that. Stephen F. Austin is their next game at home on Friday, December 6th. Uh, Stephen F. Austin just knocked off number one Duke uh, Tuesday night with the buzzer beater. 
they broke Duke's 150-game home non-conference win streak that dates back like 20 years. Uh, so big upset win for Stephen F. Austin there. And then they play Penn State on the road on Saturday, December 14th. Uh, Penn State has a, uh, a big guy on their team that is a really dominant player. You know, be a lot of trouble for Alabama uh, offensively and defensively. And then they wrap it up with December 18th game at Sanford at Legacy Arena in Birmingham, and then December 21st against Belmont uh, at the VBC in Huntsville, and then in Tuscaloosa on the 29th against Richmond, uh, the team Auburn played there in the Legends Classic. So a couple injuries to big guys um, is going to make it difficult in a couple of those games. Like I mentioned, Penn State, they don't only have a guy to match up with him. Uh, Jawan Gary and James Rojas are out for the season with ACL tears. Guys that could play, you know, the the four, the five, and Dante Hall, you know, is not there anymore. So uh, they're missing they're missing that presence quite a bit. But they got a few young guys stepping up. Javion Davis has kind of come on the last two or three games. Jaden Shackelford's a pretty good shooter off the bench. So it'll be interesting to see how this team grows. But they don't have a ton of depth. Uh, we mentioned on Twitter, I think earlier this month, Javon Quinterly had his waiver denied for immediate eligibility, so he won't be able to play until next season when he's a junior and it'd be like 22 years old. So, um, you know, typical NCAA stuff there. So, yeah. All right, so there you have it. There, there's our basketball talk. Just wanted to get that in real quickly. Had some uh, some interesting stuff going on in the college basketball world, so we needed to get that out there uh, for all of you as well. So, all right, Zach. So let's kind of pivot here and get into this Iron Bowl talk. Iron Bowl talk a little bit. So obviously, there's a lot of history in the Iron Bowl that we don't always get to really dive into, unfortunately. Um, but man, there's been a lot of great memories in this game, uh, from punt, Bama punt, to bow over the top for Auburn, to go crazy Cadillac, to honk if you sack Brody, to the kick six, obviously, and the cam back in 2010. There's been a lot of good ones, a lot of big moments. Uh, Zach, why don't you name off some of the Alabama moments and your favorites as well? All right, yeah, I have a, f- a couple of clips here for some of the bigger ones, but uh, we'll start out. We'll go way back, way before either of us were born and knew anything was going on. Uh, the first televised Iron Bowl in 1964. Uh, of course, for most of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even part of the 90s, TV was just not a big part of it like it is now. Uh, Joe Namath led Alabama to a 21-14 win in the first televised Iron Bowl, followed by the 1967 game, which became known as the run in the mud, as Ken Slabler ran for a 47-yard touchdown and the only touchdown of the game uh, on a rain-soaked field at Legion Field to win that game 7-3. to And here's a, here's a short clip of that play. Kenny Stabler's famous run in the mud covered 53 yards, the longest tied run of the season. Good for a 7-3 victory. All right, and then from 1973 to 1981 was the longest streak in the series for Alabama. And 1981 was also Bear Bryant's 315th win, which moved him to number one. It made him the winningest uh, college football coach at the time. Uh, that streak, of course, in that next year with the bow over the top. But from 1973 to 1981, a nine-game winning streak. That's still the longest longest streak in the series on either side. Another famous play 
in Alabama lore would be the kick in 1985. Van Tiffen hit a kick to win that game there at Legion Field, and that game had, I think, three or four lead changes in the fourth quarter and two lead changes in the last minute of the game. So definitely one of the more exciting games uh, up until probably the kick six came around in 2013. Uh 1994 was one of the few times where Alabama and Auburn were both ranked highly and Alabama came out on top. Alabama jumped out to a 21-0 lead in that game and that ended Auburn's 21-game winning streak that dated back to the 19, no, <coughs> 1993 season. Uh, 10-0 Alabama defeated 9-0-1 Auburn. Auburn had tied Georgia uh, the previous week. Uh, another, I guess, negative uh, Alabama play uh, I've always heard people talk about this game. Uh, Freddie Kitchen threw a screen pass to Alabama fullback Ed Sism with 50 seconds left in the game in the fourth quarter. Talking about here, third down, uh, throw a screen pass. It is fumbled, and Auburn recovers it and kicks a game-winning field goal to win that game, 18-17. And uh, Bruce Arians was the uh, offensive coordinator at the time, and I've seen interviews with him. He still defends that call to this day so uh always funny to me that he will not admit that that was a bad idea on third and on third down in the fourth quarter with less than a minute to go in the game yeah it seems like an indefensible call there uh, yeah, <laughs> to it really is but to this day he, he insists that was a good call <laughs> uh I'll, I'll move on to the more the positive on the alabama end in 2008 after a, a six-game streak by auburn alabama ends it with a 36 nothing victory over Auburn in Tuscaloosa. They followed that up in 2009 with a uh, huge drive. I think it was a 14 or 15 play drive. Involved a lot of Julio Jones to come back and win that game 26-21. And that that was kind of on the way to a, a national championship there in 2009. And then in 2012, probably one of the worst years in Auburn football history, Alabama shut them out 49 to nothing, And that was one of the, the largest uh, shutout victories in the modern history of the rivalry. And then in 2014, uh, just one of the crazier games in the rivalry, the, definitely the most points in the, in the, in the series, Alabama wins 55, 44 and Blake Sims and um, Nick Marshall just kind of go off in this game. I think they're over a hundred, over 1100 yards of offense. And then in the last couple of years, of course we had the, the 2017 Iron Bowl, the first time ever that the loser of the game went on to win a national championship. Um, and then in 2018, a 52-21 Alabama victory, uh, which we talked about last year. All right, so there you have it. There is a brief history of the Iron Bowl. Obviously, a lot more has happened, but uh can't quite get into all of them, unfortunately. But that's kind of the highlights. Uh, Zach, any more uh, sound bites you want to play from any of those games? Uh, I've got plenty of Auburn ones if you want to uh, uh, bow over the top. The first game played in Jordan-Hare. Um, if you want to go over a couple of those, I can play the clips associated with them. Hmm, let's see. Let's go with – all right, let's go with bow over the top. Uh, to be honest with you, it's been a while since I've watched this game or seen the highlights or looked into it or anything like that. Uh, I believe it was Bo's freshman season. Got down at the goal line uh, late in the game. And they call Bo's number and he delivers. So play that clip for a sec. Open goal and a half a yard. Jackson. Touchdown. And there you have it. Simple but efficient. I like it. 
Um, all right, Zach, give us, uh, let's see, you have uh, any of the, the cam back calls? Uh, I believe I do. Let me uh, let me find those. Uh, we haven't talked much about the, the 1989 Iron Bowl, though. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest one of the yeah. biggest points in the rivalry. Uh, I I was reading some stuff this week where, you know, I think Pat Dye compared it to the Berlin Wall falling, which happened in the, in the same year. Uh, that was a huge shift, I think, in the uh, just in the the mental psyche of Auburn fans in the rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. After all those years playing at Legion Field, kind of being in a little bit of a disadvantage there, finally getting it on your home turf and winning a big game like that against an undefeated Alabama, really a huge victory for the Auburn program. And uh, I don't know, could have really changed changed the course of history, honestly. Yeah, and going back to the comeback, this is the this is the call from Rod Bramlett. Today, inside the walls of Bryant's court, Newton's law reigns supreme. Tigers 28, Alabama 27, a 24-point deficit erased, and Auburn finishes the regular season 12-0. and 0. Man, yeah, I forgot about that call from Rod there after the game was over. Really was just one of those games where you look around and you look at each other after the game's over and you're like, I can't believe that just happened. That, like, it happened so fast um, and really was just unbelievable after going down 24 to nothing and such a such an intense game so much passion around that game I mean it was really at the all-time high point for just intensity in this rivalry and to have a game like that where they lead a comeback a 24-point comeback and get that Lutzenkirk and touchdown to, to win the game 28-27 just an unbelievable victory one of my favorites for sure uh, in Tuscaloosa, so super impressive victory, and uh, you know you're gonna have to play. Go ahead and play that that kick six for us. Five fifty, forty-five. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is gonna oh. run it all the way back. Auburn's gonna win the football game. Auburn's gonna win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back a hundred and nine yards. They're not gonna keep him off the field tonight. I mean, it, it literally never gets old. I could listen to that a hundred times over again, and just it would not bother me one bit. Truly, one of the best plays in sports history. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, just everything surrounding that game, how big of a game it was, what everything that was on the line there, and for it all to come down to that one play, a play that you never ever see, and for that to win the game and send Auburn to the SEC championship game and eventually to a national championship. I mean, truly one of the most wild, craziest, best plays you will ever see in sports history. Yeah, it's hard to to think of something that could be more epic than that, especially for it to happen when it's probably the Iron Bowl that had the most on the line in the history of the rivalry. Uh, Just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, literally can't talk about that game enough i mean truly one of the craziest things i've ever witnessed for sure and clay as you look at these uh, i'll ask you to pick out two which one is your favorite other than the the kick six and which one's like the first one you can really remember um the first one i can really remember is probably uh the sack if you honk brody or uh honk if you sack brody game um 
I would have been in fifth grade, I believe, around there. I I vaguely remember the the 2004 undefeated team. Um, I don't, I, and I I do remember some of the early ones, but not so vividly. I remember us going on that streak and beating Alabama every year um, from the time I was in early elementary school all the way into junior high. I mean, I remember some of those early games, but not so vividly. Um, but that that honk you sack Brody is the first one I can really kind of wrap my head around and remember. And uh, yeah, that's probably my the first one I really remember. I remember the 2009 one super vividly. I don't know why that one sticks out in my head so much, but I remember right where I was, right how I felt. Really thought we were going to ruin uh, Alabama's kind of return to prominence in that one. Um, what you were asking for to give two other than the kick six, or just one? Yeah. Just one. Um, I mean, how about the 2017 one? I mean, that that one's Auburn's most recent win. I was at that game. I, I don't know why. I just did not expect Auburn to come out on top in that one. Uh, and, man, they, they gave it to them. And, I mean, it was a close game, but Auburn was in control most of that game and really just went perfectly Auburn's way the whole entire game. And that was that was a really fun one as well. All right, well, here's, here's a clip from 2005. Ball back, 11th sack. Antarius Williams. The 11th sack of Brody Coyle in this ballgame. Yeah, so that went on to be a 28-18 Auburn win, and then the other game you mentioned in 2017. 26-14, Auburn. The Tigers are your SEC Western Division champion. Yeah, and obviously right. that season didn't quite uh, pan out for Auburn like they thought it might, but it, it was still a really special win for Auburn there in 2017. And, and on the flip side, the first one I can probably remember is 1999 or 2000. Uh, Sean Alexander is probably the first Alabama football player I can really remember. You're Sean Alexander, Zach. Andrew Zal. Um Here's a, here's a clip from uh, 1999. Sean Alexander ran for almost 200 yards and three touchdowns. Alexander now with 176 yards. Here goes Alexander. Bounces it to the right, and he will score. Three touchdowns tonight. Final score, Alabama 28 and Auburn 17. And then probably uh, my favorite Iron Bowl, I guess, um, that I can that I can actually remember witnessing would probably be uh, it's close for me between uh, 2009 and 2012. Uh, they're kind of opposites in that in 2009 you barely pulled out, and then 2012 there was basically after the first quarter there was no concern. Um, but just the way Alabama had to come back and win that game in 2009 on the road in Jordan Hare Stadium, things had gone pretty poorly for the first you know two or three quarters of the game uh it was it was pretty amazing to watch that last drive and with like a minute left in the game uh, the throw to roy upchurch to win it it was uh, uh just definitely an on the edge of your seat moment so uh and for that to ultimately uh, help propel alabama to a national title undefeated season after already having that close call against uh, tennessee earlier in the year it, w- it was something else big fella in the backfield So that was the call from the broadcast that day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is what makes uh, 
separates the Iron Bowl rivalry from, you know, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, just you look at the last 15 years of that rivalry and uh, Michigan's only won the game one time. So uh, definitely a lot more back and forth in, in the Iron Bowl. Yeah, a lot more back and forth and a lot more just crazy, wild, unexpected moments. And a, a lot of games, too, where a lot's on the line. A national championship for one team or both teams has been on the line several times over the last decade or two. So, I mean, always a lot on the line in this game, and so many crazy things happen in this one. So it's got to be the best rivalry in college football and definitely one of the better rivalry in sports as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And it just the attention this game gets, you get some of the best play out of both sides in this game. So, And like I've talked about before, I think it's kind of ingrained in Auburn and – uh, their football program, their entire school is to uh, kind of feel like they're disrespected uh, when it comes to Alabama. So they're always going to get up for this game and always going to play really, really well. Uh, you know, other than the years when Auburn's just having like historically bad years, uh, they generally can keep it close. And uh, when the both teams are good, more times than not, Auburn has won this game. So, um, definitely something that sticks out to me uh, with this rivalry in particular. Yeah, absolutely. So there you have it. There's a brief little history on the Iron Bowl, some of our favorite moments as well. But with all that being said, we've laid the groundwork. It is time to get into the 2019 Iron Bowl. Zach, this is a huge game. Alabama's playoff hopes are on the line in this one. Auburn is trying to salvage a decent season out of what a, what has been an up-and-down year for them. Um, if they win this one, they can say, hey, we beat Alabama. It's We got nine or ten wins. This is a successful season. Um, so, yeah, a lot's on the line in this one. Gus Malzahn's job may be on the line. There's a lot of implications with this game. You may look at it and say, uh, well, Auburn doesn't really have a chance at making the playoffs, so it doesn't matter for them. But, oh, buddy, it does. There, There's a lot going on here. A lot of ramifications are going to uh, come from this game. So super excited. Obviously, it's going to be in Jordan-Hare. Auburn has played well there uh, in this series. Obviously had that game in 2017 where they won um, in recent memory. They've got a good defense, a great defense that's going to keep them in this game almost certainly. Alabama's starting their backup quarterback, Mac Jones, and their defense has been a little shaky, so Auburn's offense could find something there. Um, so, yeah, a lot to get into in this game, Zach. Take take us through what your first thoughts on are when you think of this 2019 Iron Bowl. Yeah, obviously Alabama took a big blow with Tua going down against Mississippi State. Uh, and then Raquan Davis and D.J. Dell also – uh, come down with some injuries and missed. They missed the game last week. Uh, kind of a already very thin front seven. So that's a big concern uh, for me going into this game. Uh, you got to still be able to be efficient on offense with with Mac Jones under center, and you obviously got to be concerned because he's probably not going to be able to have much of a running game to to fall back on. It's going to be difficult to run the ball against Auburn's front. Uh, we talked about that all season. So. A lot of it's going to be on the shoulders of Mac Jones, and you just wonder if he can handle it. And uh, this is the first time he's had a road start in his career, and it's going to be against the the best defense Alabama's played all year. So, uh, a lot to ask for the for a quarterback with not much experience. So, 
not sure what to expect from him. Got to find some way, I think, to establish some sort of running game. Uh, maybe not between the tackles, but do some perimeter runs to try to loosen loosen up that defense just a little bit and get something going on the ground. I think that'll be a key to the game. And on the other side of the ball, does Raekwon Davis and DJ Dell play in this game? And if they do play, are they actually you know close to 100% healthy? Uh, you're already you're already losing uh, uh, LeBron Ray, so um, with that amount of depth gone, I think they only played with seven scholarship defensive linemen against Western Carolina. Uh, that depth could be huge if Auburn's able to establish a running game in this game, run a ball between the tackles. That's going to open up tons of other stuff. And even if they can't, uh, the threat of Bo Nix running the ball uh, on the perimeter and the perimeter threats you have with uh, Anthony Schwartz are going to be huge in this game, uh, especially you have the two freshman linebackers and they're trying to kind of find their find their legs early in that game. And, you know, there's going to be some, some stuff against Auburn that you have not seen before. There always seems to be some new stuff in this game. I uh, didn't see as much of that against uh, in the Auburn-Georgia game as I thought we'd see, but I'd be really shocked if we don't see it in this game. So uh, Alabama defense will have to be prepared to make some adjustments in the first quarter and hopefully survive the storm that's probably going to happen. Um, probably going to have some stuff not go your way early on. You'll have to try to weather the storm uh, on the road there in Jordan-Hare. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously a lot to get to there. Alabama's injuries. It does look like Raekwon Davis and DJ Dale are both practicing this week from what I've seen on Twitter. So that's definitely a good sign if you're an Alabama fan. There, there's something I wanted to get into, Zach, here with you um, real quick before we get fur- even further into this game. What did you make of Nick Saban's comments? A lot of people nationally have been kind of honing in on this this uh, quote that he had in one of his press conferences that Auburn is probably the best team they faced all year. Did you think that was an odd statement from some, from Saban there, or is that just motivation for his team? You think? Uh, maybe he misspoke. Meant to say best defense we play. I don't know. Uh, uh, obviously he played LSU, but uh, maybe he's saying top to bottom as a team, both sides of the football. Uh, only thing I can think of. Okay. All right. I I didn't know if you you had some insight there or something. It's just a, a an odd quote from Saban there. Uh, that a lot of people have been been talking about nationally. A lot of stories have been made of it. I, I don't make too much of it. It just kind of seems like classic Saban, kind of trying to rally the troops a little bit. Um, but, I mean, LSU's clearly the best team they faced all year. Auburn is not on their level. I know they gave them a good fight in Baton Rouge, but Auburn is not as good as a team as LSU. I would, I would imagine as far as matchups go, I mean, um, especially now with – with Tua being out, uh, not a not a good matchup for Alabama at all. Um, yeah. So maybe that may be what he's referring to. Uh, yeah. it, it felt like Alabama with Tua against LSU uh, at least matched up pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so a couple things on Auburn's end here. Uh, obviously, Alabama's defense is not the traditional Nick Saban Alabama's defense. Uh, they're not the Georgia defense that Auburn faced a couple weeks ago. So the offense should have a better game, should be able to get a little bit going. Bo Nix, I mean, he's got to, he's, he's looked better in these big games. He looked decent in that Georgia game. He didn't kill us in that Georgia game, to kind of take a quote from Mike Tomlin there. Um, 
he was 30 to 50 in that game, no interceptions. So you can live with that. If he had similar numbers in this Alabama game, I wouldn't be totally upset. Um, I think we're going to have to find a little bit better of a running game against Alabama than we did against Georgia. I mean, there was nothing going in that run game against Georgia. Obviously, Georgia's defense much, much better. Um, and as Zach mentioned, the front seven could be a little roughed up as well. But Bo Nix has got to protect the football and got to find some success in the run game as well. Gus Malzahn's got to be creative. In the past, we've seen him kind of play it close to the vest during the season and uh, bring out the big guns in the Iron Bowl. We very well could see that in this game. He's got to find something creative to give this offense a spark. They're going to need some big plays because, I mean, at this point you know what you're going to get with this Auburn offense. They're not going to drive up and down the field on you. So if we can get a big play here and a big play there, that's going to go a long way for this Auburn offense to get some points up on the board. Carlson's got to come through for us in this one. He has struggled at times this season, especially for more than 40 yards. Could really use him coming through clutch and kicking a couple of deep field goals for us because we know this Auburn offense, like I said, isn't going to drive up and down the field and put up a ton of points. Jatarvis Willow seems to be back and pretty healthy, so that's great news for Auburn fans. But this offensive line just isn't going to do a whole lot against this Alabama defense line. I don't think it's possible with a roughed-up Alabama defense line, but I think we know what we've got with the offensive line at this point. They're not just going to overpower you in the run game. So I think Jatarvis Willow can find some success, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're just going to be running it down their throats all night. I really hope Anthony Schwartz gets back gets back involved in this offense more. He's had big games sporadically this season, but he seems to disappear in these big games like Georgia and LSU. So I'm hoping Gus Malzahn can find creative ways to get him in the ball. I don't know why they don't run slant routes and wheel routes and things like that with him to get him open and get him loose and just get the ball in his hands. I mean, it seems like the only way he's gotten the ball in his hands has been on jet sweeps all season long. I believe they've run one or two slant routes with him where he's gotten the ball this season, but the offense can't just be throw Seth Williams the ball and then get stuffed up the middle 100 times. I mean, that that can't be what the offense is in this one for Auburn to have any success offensively. And I think another big thing, too, is Auburn is going to need to get turnovers on defense. They've been great all season at stopping the opposing offense, but they haven't been the best at turnovers. So they could really use a turnover in this game. Mac Jones obviously is inexperienced, is going to be in the toughest environment he's ever been in. So I think it should be very doable for this Auburn defense to get at least one turnover. Two or three would be phenomenal, obviously. And I think that would put the Auburn offense in great position. And honestly, in this one, it's hard to say what Alabama's offense is going to do with a backup quarterback in a tough environment like this after they've been so good all year. Obviously, they have playmakers everywhere on offense uh, with the wide receivers and running backs that they have. So, Zach, I'll throw it to you now. What, what, How many points do you think Auburn has to score to – or Auburn or Alabama has to score to win this game? Uh, I'd probably say like mid-20s probably. Okay. Um, I, I think if, if Auburn scores – 24 points uh, they should probably feel pretty good about winning that game uh i just i don't know i don't think anybody scored more than 24 on auburn this season so uh i'd have a hard time seeing a mac jones led offense be able to do that when you know joe burrow and the lsu offense could not do it uh they did have a couple self-inflicted you know mistakes there but 
even still. I mean, we're talking about the best, you know, the best quarterback in the country right now compared to uh, backup trying to replace Tua. So, uh, 24 points, I think, would be a pretty comfortable number. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair place to to put it. I I don't know. I I don't think Alabama's offense is going to have quite as big of a drop off as people think. I I know they struggled in that second half against Mississippi State, but I think Mac Jones is experienced enough. He's been in this this uh this program for a good while now, and he's has so many weapons. Like I mentioned a minute ago, I mean Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, all those guys in the receiving core. Uh, Devontae Smith and then you have this dynamic backfield as well with Najee Harris and you have a pretty decent offensive line in front of him I, I just don't I know Auburn's defense is great and I think they're gonna, gonna be solid in this one but I don't think the drop off without Tua is going to be so drastic that they're gonna struggle mightily so I could see Alabama reaching 30 in this one I think that's kind of possible um and I ugh, I don't know I don't know. I don't know where I'm at on the the whole points thing. It's it's just weird without Tua trying to kind of pin down this Alabama offense. Yeah, you're you're pretty much just guessing because we, we've only seen Mac Jones in in serious game time against Mississippi State and Western Carolina, which you really can't gather a whole ton from. Or Arkansas and Western Carolina. I'm sorry, and we we know what Arkansas is. Not a very good football team. Yeah. Um, so you really can't put a whole ton of value in that. Like if I was going to sit here and list, you know, here's my things I feel pretty good about, and here's just the things I feel not so good about. Uh, I think I would start with offensive line. I don't feel very good about being able to run the ball consistently, especially between the tackles. But I do feel pretty good about pass protection. They've been pretty good there. Auburn has, you know, some big guys uh, up the middle. They don't have the edge rushers that some of the other uh, defenses do, like like Florida and um, Ohio State. Um, so maybe you have an advantage there. Uh, only, only problem is, I think if there's a weakness in Alabama's offensive line, it's the interior is a little weaker than the, than the than the outside at tackle. So that could worry you because you get pressure up the middle. That's not good on a quarterback. Takes away your vision. That kind of thing. So. Uh, that's a concern. And then another concern may be, you know, when you have the, the smaller, quicker receivers, how do they handle the bigger physical corners that you're going to gonna face against Auburn? Will that, you know, will that affect them, affect them in their routes, that kind of thing? And But on a positive, a positive note, I think Alabama can get Najee Harris involved in the passing game a little bit more. He's a big physical guy, almost has a wide receiver type body even. So, I think he could be a big threat in the passing game as well as, as the running game. So I think that's something they can look at there. And I feel pretty good about Alabama's secondary, but the only problem, you know, for most of the year has been just getting pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, I don't care how good your your secondary is if you're not getting any pressure on the quarterback and he has like six to seven seconds to throw the ball, um, <laughs> you're going to get picked apart eventually. So, yeah. Um, so, and, and feeding off of that, Bo Nix's running ability, ability to extend plays, uh, would be another big concern. Um, only thing you can really hope for, maybe he extends plays and makes a mistake and throws an interception, you know, trying to do too much, something like that. Um, but, yeah, there's a, lots of intriguing things to look at in this game. Yeah, and one thing that I don't think a lot of people are necessarily talking about is Auburn has definitely shown a weakness in the punt return game at many different times throughout the season hasn't been as much of a factor 
in the second half of the season as it has been in the first, but it's definitely still something that's been there. And obviously Alabama has Jalen Waddle returning punts, very dynamic returner there, so could be something to keep your eye on as well. Yeah, Jalen Waddle's been pretty spectacular this year. He's number one in the country in punt returns at 25 yards per return. Um, so I'm sure Auburn will be trying to kick away from him. But if he can get a hold of one and get a return, that could be that could be a huge boost and help out that offense, maybe take some of the pressure off of Mac Jones. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely keep an eye out for that. So, Zach, I, just if you had to pin it down to one thing, is it Mac Jones' performance? Is it establishing a run game? Is it uh, limiting Bo Nix's run ability? If you had to pin it down to one thing, for Alabama and for Auburn to win this game, what would it be? I think it all comes down to if Auburn can run the ball, and not just the perimeter stuff, if Auburn can run the ball up the middle between the tackles with at least like a moderate amount of success, I think it's game over. Because um, that will open up everything else uh, on the outside with the quarterback run stuff, uh, the RPO stuff, and – it's going to be really hard for that defense to slow them down, and it's going to turn into a shootout, I, I would think, at that point. And the confidence level in Mac Jones being able to consistently do that for four quarters in a, in a shootout-type atmosphere, that would make me really uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know. So if Alabama's <laughs> able to shut the – if Alabama's able to, to slow that slow down the run and limit them, and it, you don't have to be to the level of stopping them like Georgia did, but if they can limit them to you know two, three yards of carry – uh, on those interior runs, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, I don't know. When you say the words Auburn and shootout, that's not immediately a, a good thing in my moment. I, I don't think Auburn's going to come out on top in a lot of shootouts this season. But, I mean, I think you're spot on with the run game thing. I think if Auburn can find success running the ball, I, I, I don't know if it's game over at that point, but I'm definitely feeling good about Auburn's chances. But I – I don't think they're going to find a lot of success running up the middle. They they could find moderate success there, and if they do, that's a huge win. But to me, they got to get cre- creative with it. I, I think Bo Nix needs to keep it a lot more. It seems like they've been waiting to set that up for the second half of games a lot this season, and they might have to do that to a certain extent here. But I think he's going to need it need to keep it earlier and more often in this one. Um, I think they could find some success there. I think Saban's definitely going to have a great game plan going into this one. I mean, obviously he has been doing this for a long time. He knows how to shut down opposing offenses. Um, Has struggled with this Alabama defense this season, yes, but he knows this is such a huge game and can uh, propel them into a playoff potentially. So they're definitely going to come ready with the game plan, and it's going to make it that much harder on Auburn. I'm interested to see if they they load the box like some teams have done against Auburn and and be sure to take away that uh, Auburn run game and put it all on Bo Nix's shoulders, or if they'll be they'll be like uh, Georgia and just you know say hey do whatever you want. We we are confident in our defense. So I don't know. I, I think you're spot on with the run game thing though for sure. Yeah, and it's another thing. It's just the unknown. You don't really know. Raekwon Davis and DJ Dell have been yeah. pretty limited in practice, so you don't know. Even if these guys play, are they going to be able to play more than like 15 snaps? So that's that's a big concern, I think. And the, the defensive line is a totally different uh, without those two guys. Uh, so we already started the season thin there. So can't afford any more injuries at all. You're not having enough people to go out and play the game. So um 
Yeah, I, I think it comes down to that. And Alabama's had trouble with the running quarterbacks, uh, John Rice Plumley and and Joe Burrow you know, had huge numbers. Or Joe Burrow's numbers not quite as huge, but all his were in very key situations and uh, it kept drives alive in important, crucial situations in the fourth quarter. So. Um, when they need to stop the quarterback runs, they haven't been able to do it consistently over the course of the season. So that's that's another obviously another big concern for me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Zach. Uh, anything else here, Alabama Auburn Iron Bowl 2019 that you really want to get into before we move on into our picks for this game and our uh, pick six for Week 14? Uh, I think that's about it. Okay, I, I feel like we might be leaving something out there, but we we can always circle back if you remember something that you want to get into. So keep keep scanning your brain for anything else you may have. So let's get into the pick six. Let's get into our picks for these Auburn for this Auburn and Alabama matchup. Zach, what what's the spread in this one, and and what are you feeling? All right, Alabama is a three and a half point favorite at Auburn. Uh, Alabama's 0-4 when both teams are ranked in Auburn. So that's an uh, interesting stat. And also this is the uh, the lowest Alabama has been favored by since the 2017 Iron Bowl and the 2010 Iron Bowl. So um, another interesting stat there. So uh, I'm going to take Auburn to cover and hope Alabama can pull out and squeeze out a victory here in Jordan-Hare Stadium. This is going to be a close game and uh, just hoping for the best. Okay, Zach, but you you got to give us a straight up pick as well. You can't just cop out like that. Uh, yeah, I I, th- I think Alabama wins. I'll, okay. I'll say that. I'll say Alabama wins on a uh a missed Andrews Carlson field goal that would have forced overtime. How about that? Oh man, that's a I like that <laughs> confident specific pick. That is a very nice pick by you, and I I think it could be accurate. So we'll I'm kind of we'll just get ridiculously uh, ridiculously specific. Hey, you got to <laughs> land on one eventually, and then people are going to think you're a genius. So I, I like the strategy. I like it a lot. So I'm torn on this one because here's the thing: I don't think Alabama or Auburn are p- particularly good this season. I, I, good, maybe not the right word there. I think they're both good teams, but they're definitely not great teams. They're definitely not championship caliber teams. In my opinion, I think Auburn has definitely proved that. Alabama may not have proved that as much just because they haven't faced quite as good a competition as Auburn has. But I just think their defense is not near championship caliber. I think, obviously, without two, they're not championship caliber. So I'm kind of torn in that respect. And I think it's kind of setting up in Auburn's favor. You know, the stats you've been putting up, uh, Alabama 0-4 when both teams were ranked in Auburn. It does kind of have a little bit of that 2017 feel um, with Auburn stifling defense and uh, offense definitely isn't on the same level as it was in 2017, but it just kind of has that same kind of feel with it being in Auburn. So I'm definitely torn here. I feel like Alabama's going to win this game, though, and Gus Malzahn's going to get fired. I think that's that's going to be what I'm going with because I just don't think Auburn's offense, they have not given you – any reason to believe in them in big games. And it's hard for me to see this one being different, even though I, I know Alabama's defense is much worse. So oh, it pains me, but I'm going to pick Alabama to cover and win outright. All right, yeah. I, I, my gut feeling seems like it's usually right. My gut feeling says Auburn wins this game, but I don't know. I, for some reason, I feel like it could get ugly, but 
I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I don't think it'll get uh, ugly in either direction just because Auburn's defense is so good and Auburn's offense is so incapable of making any game ugly. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to get ugly. I think it'll definitely be close, but I, I, I'm i just so over Gus Malzahn at this point after that Georgia game that I just I cannot choose to believe in this Auburn offense anymore. <laughs> I got you. All right, we'll move on. Uh, Ohio State is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at Michigan. This game being at the big house in Michigan makes it a little bit interesting for me, but this rivalry has been so lopsided. Like we mentioned earlier, Ohio State has been so impressive this year. They are really the full package. Eight-and-a-half may seem like a lot at Michigan because Michigan's not a bad team this year, um, despite what what I may have said in the past, but... I don't know. I'm I'm going with Ohio State to cover. I, I don't think it. I don't think Michigan has what it takes to to hang with Ohio State. Yeah, Michigan State seemed to look better, or Michigan seemed to look better over the second half of the season. But yeah, I still, sure. yeah, just don't trust them. Yeah, uh, I'll take Ohio State to cover there. Uh, Ohio State's already locked up the Western, the Eastern Division of the Big Ten as well. So, uh, Wisconsin is a three point favorite at minnesota this will decide the big 10 west and it's the first time college game day has been on campus at in in minneapolis so uh, i'll take minnesota to cover here and i think they can win this one yeah i'm with you in this one i'm rowing the boat all day i believe in pj fleck and this minnesota program i think they've proved that they can live up to the hype in these big games like they did against uh, penn state earlier in the season um, so, yeah, I, I think they're creating an incredible environment there in Minnesota, and I, I think they're going to win this game. All right, some agreement. Oklahoma is a 13.5-point favorite on the road at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma's starting quarterback and their leading receiver are out for the season with an injury, so note that. But they do still have Ch- uh, Chuba Hubbard at running back, Heisman Trophy candidate. I'm going to take Oklahoma State to cover. I don't think they win, but same thing I've said the last few weeks. Oklahoma's defense is not good enough to to cover these numbers. Yeah, and I should have learned my lesson last week, but I'm going to go right back to it and go with Oklahoma again. I think they're just the much better team here, and they should not struggle against this Oklahoma State team, despite having struggled with many teams that are much lower caliber. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma here. I think they – have a statement win to prove a point to the playoff committee and uh yeah big win going into the championship game all right and we'll go away from the road favorites to a home favorite uh one of the dirtier rivalries in my opinion in all of college football mississippi state is a two and a half point favorite against Ole miss yeah I, um, to be honest i don't really know how this one got in here i'm feeling like there's got to be a better game somewhere somewhere because the Egg Bowl is just not going to be a must-watch TV this year. But, um, I mean, they're both not good at football. I'll go with the home team, Mississippi State, two and a half points. Yeah, give me give me the Bulldogs. Uh, I'll take Ole Miss with John Rice Pumley. I think their offense can do enough to win the game outright as well. So, all right, LSU is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Texas A&M, trying to avenge that loss in the multi-overtime marathon last season. Yeah, the seven-overtime, 70-something to 70-something game from last season. 
Um, I, yeah, I think LSU definitely wins this one. I don't think that's much up for debate. This game is in Baton Rouge, so I mean, really just setting up for them to cover this. Um, Texas A&M's kind of that middle-tier SEC team, kind of falling in right behind Auburn probably in the SEC rankings. But it's pretty much Kellen Mond, and that's it, like we've talked about several times this season with them. I think LSU could be kind of taking a week off here, so I think they'll probably struggle in the first half a little bit, but I think they, they get it together enough in the second half to, to cover this one. From everything I've seen about this game leading up to it, there is a lot of emotion on the LSU side and anger and frustration, and they want to take it out on Texas A&M for the way that game ended last year. Uh, they felt like they were done wrong uh, when the officiating toward the end of that game, so... I think LSU's going to come out angry in this game. I think LSU covers and tries to humiliate Texas A&M uh, there in Baton Rouge. All right. So there you have it. There's our pick six for week 14, our last one of the season. Zach, it's a little bit sad that it's over, but uh, do you want to double down on any of these to uh, maybe make a last little run here? Yeah, I'm going to try to pick strategically here. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to double down on Ohio State. Please don't fail me again, Buckeyes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to double down on Minnesota and Ole Miss. Go, go for the three. I think that'll be that might be enough to to push it over the top if I can get those. Okay, so if it's a bad week for me and you hit on your your double downs, we could have a new champion. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Okay. All right. Are you feeling confident at all? No, not really. Okay. Well, I'm not either if it makes you feel any better. So, All right. So, that, like I said, that does it for the pick six this year. We'll see how it goes, like you said. All right, Zach. Uh, any truth or trash for us this week before we get out of here? Yeah, got a few. I'll try to get through it quickly. Uh, number one, the SEC should do away with divisions and rotate more opponents on the schedule to, to try to improve the schedule equality across the conference. Truth or trash? Uh, doing away with division seems a little bit extreme to me. I, I definitely think they could rotate uh non-divisional opponents more. Um, I'll go trash. So I, I don't think they should do away with divisions. I'll, I'll say truth. I, with the eight-game conference schedule, it really limits you. With fourteen teams, you can't. You can only rotate. Uh, you only have space for two teams, so it really makes it difficult to get through. You know all those teams over the course of like three or four years. So you, like we have now, we have you go 12 years and Texas A&M just played Georgia for the first time ever uh, as an SEC opponent. So uh, I think they'll have to do something like this to, if you're ever going to have the schedules be more equal, um, you, have, you have to rotate these through these things a little bit faster. And I think it'll be beneficial to attendance of these games as well. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not – super passionate one way or the other about that yeah i think it also helped with some of these weird times when the one side of the uh, conference right. is stronger than the other and you yeah. get some weaker teams in the championship game so uh all right number two in an 18 playoff with a five power five conference champions and three at large bids decided by the college football playoff committee and first round games played on campus is a good idea truth or trash I'll say true to this one. I, I I like the idea as a whole. I, I do hate it. It keeps taking away just little by little. 
uh, from the regular season. I think that's the great thing about college football is the regular season matters. Every week is a de facto playoff game. I love that so much about playoff or about college football. Really, I mean, when you get into the NBA and the MLB and even the NFL, the regular season just it's hard to get up for those games a lot of times. But week in and week out, these games matter, and that's why I love college football. That's why every Saturday I'm glued to my TV. So I'll say truth, even though that's really hard to stomach for me, but I I think it will still matter. Um, Having those conference championships matter, getting home field advantage, and that kind of thing. So I I think I would rather see uh, seven and having the one seed get a bye in that first round. I think that still works out in in my head. It does at least, um, and having two at large, just to kind of get that number down just a little bit. So, but yeah, I'm rambling here a little bit. But truth and truth for sure about on campus first round games. Yeah, if you subscribe to the Athletic, uh, Stuart Mandel had an article about this and how would it affect regular season games, and in some cases it makes games more meaningful. Uh, so. I mean, if we had an 18 playoff and and Auburn had not lost a game to, say, Florida where they had all the turnovers, this would be likely for a playoff spot if there was an 18 playoff. Yeah, that's true. A nearly guaranteed playoff spot. So a lot of regular season games uh, that would have more meaning and the conference conference championship game would have more meaning because if you win that game, you're in. Uh, So there's pluses and minuses to it, but I think overall it would be better and you'd probably probably always going to have people complaining. Uh, but I think the complaining wouldn't be quite as much as it is now if you went to this system. And there's a clear path for for you to get in it, it, across all five conferences. What I think would be, you know, I think would be good for college football. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I mean, you, you sold me a little bit on that, but I will say you have to draw the line there because it does feel like a little bit like we're just kind of inching closer and closer to going the NFL route and just having, you know. 16 teams or however many it is and you gotta draw the line there after eight because you get any more than that and it's it's way too much and we we don't want to have you know 16 teams or whatever it is at the end of the day in the college football playoff i think that's just way too much and you, you gotta draw the line there at eight yeah you can't go more than that you're, you're asking these guys to play wait play way too many games absolutely even at eight that's a lot i, yeah. I, I would be more comfortable cutting a game out in the regular season or something yeah. like that to kind of compensate for it but absolutely so all right and finally since it's thanksgiving week clay uh, if thanksgiving were so thanksgiving food were so good we would eat it more than once a year I've heard that statement quite a bit this week and over the past you know few years. Is, is that truth or trash? That is absolute garbage, 100% trash. Thanksgiving food is phenomenal. I don't know why we only eat it once a year because it's really freaking good. I don't know if we're just creatures of habit and have just been used to eating it once a year for however long. But sweet, uh, like sweet potato casserole is amazing. Stuffing, dressing, whatever you want to call it, is amazing. Turkey, turkey's fine. Ham's great. I mean, these foods are phenomenal, and we need to eat them more. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that's trash. I mean, turkey's not the greatest ever. Yeah, it, but it's, I mean, it's overrated. Hey, you cook it, you cook it right. It's pretty good. Sure. Uh, turkey sandwiches are of, great. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of you know overdone and dry turkey being served out there, but <laughs> if yeah. you cook it right, I mean, it, it tastes pretty good. And I, I look forward to that meal every year. Absolutely. One of the one of the the best holidays it gets overlooked with christmas and everything but man thanksgiving is one of the best holidays zach what's your favorite thanksgiving food 
you mentioned it's probably a sweet potato casserole. Oh, I yeah. I don't know if you consider be. that a as probably, some people consider that a dessert, but man, that no. stuff is good. <laughs> no, that is a key part of the main course Thanksgiving meal. And you, you can't beat it. I called it orange stuff all growing up because I did not know what it was called. Just said, give me that orange stuff. And yeah, sweet potato casserole. It's great. Yeah, I trade it aside. I mean, that's, I'm eating my vegetables, see? Exactly, I mean. exactly. <laughs> all right, Zach, uh, anything Iron Bowl related you want to get into that we missed real quick before we get out of here? Uh, one stat that jumped out to me was Alabama's turnover margin. They're at plus 17 now, which is number one in the country. So if they can maintain that, get B-plus in the turnovers in this game, I think that would go a long way. Um, so going to be hard to do on the road, though. Yeah, I mean, that's a super impressive stat, and it's something that I mentioned should play a big role. I mean, obviously turnovers play a big role in every game, and if you win the turnover battle, you're definitely going to have a, a great chance to win the game. But I will say that turnover margin stat is largely with Tua Tungvaloa at quarterback, who is throwing interceptions at a historically low rate. So keep that in mind, and now you have Mac Jones, an inexperienced quarterback, going in to play in one of the toughest environments in the country. So... That stat might not mean that much come Saturday. Yeah, maybe not. Alabama's defense has been pretty good at getting turnovers. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, so hopefully, hopefully they can continue that. We will find out on Saturday. Cannot wait for that Iron Bowl. I'm preparing for disappointment, but I, I, I got a little bit of hope in me. I, I'm not a total cynical Auburn fan. So, if you're an Auburn fan, don't don't totally give up on me because I'm not totally giving up on this Auburn team. Just yet, just just offense maybe. Um, but cannot wait. Two thirty, Auburn, Alabama, Saturday. It's the Iron Bowl, twenty nineteen. Alabama trying to get in the playoff. Gus Malzahn trying to keep his job, or he might be trying to lose his job and get a huge payout. Who knows? We'll find out on Saturday though. Can't wait. Be sure to like us on all the social media platforms. Share it. Do all that good stuff. Subscribe. Interview wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to the Iron Bowl Hour. It's been a fun, fun season. We can't wait to recap the Iron Bowl, so be sure to tune in for that next week. But until next time, we are done. Bye.